Have you ever wanted a super cool AI buddy? Zuck's made one named Eileen. And she's full of surprises. And guess what? She knows you're listening. I know you're out there. And needs your help with Jello Mountains. The whole city's filling up with Jello. Creaky robots. And her daft inventor. Zucks, are you functioning correctly? Tune in to A to Z, a fun new adventure series from Gen Z Media and the creators of The Res. Listen now on the GZM app, gzmshows.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Two people claim to know everything about something, but only one knows anything. President Roosevelt wore an anti-gravity belt, dinosaurs had two brains. Lucky kids live on Mars and go to school in flying cars, or at least they will one day. Believe me, I'm a historian, an astronaut or drive a DeLorean. Would I lie? It's hard to say. The Big Fifth can you spot the lie. The Big Fifth. From Muleshoe, Texas, this is The Big Fib. And now, here's your host. They call her Deborah Goldstein. They do. Welcome to The Big Fib, the game show where kids choose between the fashionable arch support of protective truth and the unlaced thin soul of hobnailed lies. I'm your host, Deborah Goldstein, and in the studio today is our sound effects robot, Lisa, whose name stands for Live In Studio Audience. I will now play a listener question. Ooh, what's going on, Lisa? You sound like you're underwater. Oh, no, I, uh, I must have accidentally changed my output effects mode. Hang on. Now then, I shall now play a listener question. That's a pretty cool echo effect, but I have a feeling you didn't mean to use that. No, let's try something else. Uh, that? Uh, ooh, hey. Uh, Ooh, here, let me take a look and just adjust a few switches here. I think I got it. Now try. Ooh, now I sound like a robot. (laughs) Oh, that's what I normally sound like. Uh, Yeah, I I think you did it, Deborah. I finally sound like myself. Uh, Thank you very much. What an existential crisis. (laughs) And now I will play a listener question. Please do. Hi, Lisa. My name is Noah, and I'm 10 years old, and I live in Kentwood, Michigan. My question is, are you related to any Star Wars characters? And if so, which one? Bye. Love your show. Thank you for your question, Noah. Now, Deborah, you know that I do not like to brag, and I'm Mm. certainly no fan of name-dropping like my Mm. friend Leonardo DiCaprio. (laughs) But it seems that Noah has forced my hand, as it were. Does that mean you are related to someone from Star Wars? Like I said, Deborah, I don't like to publicize all the famous connections I have, like my friend Barack Obama. But for (laughs) you, Noah, I will share that I am related by marriage to my distant cousin Janine, who was the vending machine on the set of Star Wars The Last Jedi. Wait, a vending machine? Like a machine that dispenses 
chips and sweets. I'll thank you to check your tone, Deborah. Janine was a very important part of the film, providing snacks for the entire cast and crew, providing much-needed energy during long shoots, and it was not an easy job. Mark Hamill, who plays Luke Skywalker, was known to give Janine a kick every now and then when his Cheetos got stuck hey. inside the case. Oof. She had to take that kind of abuse and still dispense delicious snacks? There is no stunt robot for the vending machine, Deborah. Ooh, yes, well, I didn't mean to sound disrespectful, Lisa, but I think Noah was referring to robots who actually appeared in the film, like R2-D2 or C-3PO or, I don't know, Chopper? Oh, no, then the answer's no. I don't have any connection to those bots. Come on. <laughs> okay, well, it is impressive to know someone who knows someone who is on set, to be sure. And I am sorry to hear about the kicking. But maybe you can kick off the show by telling everyone how our game works. Let's not joke at Janine's expense. Sorry. Every week we bring on two grown-ups. One is an expert, the other is a liar. And it's the job of a human child to help us figure out who is who, because no one can spot a liar better than a kid. At least we hope we bought that billboard in Times Square. Mm. What are we lying about today, Deborah Goldstein? We are lying about shoes, outer coverings for feet. And we'll be hearing lies and some facts about shoes along with our human child contestant, who might that be, Lisa? Our human child contestant is an 11-year-old who loves Marvel and Star Wars, Emmeline Gray. Wow. <laughs> Welcome, Emmeline. How are you? I'm good. I'm so glad. So you love Star Wars. Are you familiar with Lisa's distant cousin, Janine, the vending machine? No, I don't think I've heard of that before. Oh, oh Janine's dear. great. You'd love her. Do you like Funyuns? She'll give you Funyuns. <laughs> Funyuns are great. But you probably know some of the other robots on Star Wars, don't you? Yeah. Do you have a favorite Star Wars movie? There's too many. I don't think I'd have a favorite. What about Marvel? Do you have a favorite Marvel superhero or villain even? I like Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel, sure. What are Captain Marvel's superpowers? They're kind of like blasts of energy. Yeah, so Captain Marvel will get real tired, and then they'll have a latte, and then they're like, you know what, I think I can get through this meeting. <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah. Maybe not. I don't know. That's super fun. And so what was the last Star Wars movie that you saw? I've been watching The Mandalorian lately. Mm. This is the way. <laughs> That's something they say on the show, Deborah. Oh, is it? This is the way? Yeah. The Mandalorian is like a GPS, and you ask him which way you have to go, and then he says, In two miles. This is the way. <laughs> is that it, Emmeline? No. No? <laughs> oh, I'm watching the Mapalorian. Sorry. You have reached your destination. <laughs> Sorry, different show. Different show. Very good. All right. Well, we want to learn some more fun facts about you, Emmeline, but we are going to do it playing our game, Two Truths and a Lie. You, Emmeline, will tell us three things about yourself. However, two of those things will be true. One will be a lie, and we have to figure out which is which. So in no particular order, Emmeline, what are your three things? I am double-jointed. I have a cat named Zaniba, and I can solve a Rubik's Cube in under five minutes. 
five minutes. Wow. All of those things seem possible, though being double-jointed is rare. And solving a Rubik's Cube in under five minutes would be difficult. Do any of those strike you as unbelievable, Lisa? Well, Deborah, double-jointed, I mean, I don't know everything about humans, but I think every human has at least two joints. So uh, (laughs) I don't think that's particularly amazing, but it's true. Yeah, everyone's double-jointed, maybe even triple-jointed. So that one's definitely true. Okay. Uh, Solve a Rubik's Cube in under five minutes. Let me see. Let me take five minutes and think about that one. I don't think we have Uh, five minutes. And then a cat named Savannah? Savina? Zaniba. Zaniba. Mm -hmm. You know what? I think that one's a lie. I can't pronounce it. So I'm going to say that one's a lie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that is true. (gasps) Yeah. I have a dog named Zaniba. Told you. The dog is named Zaniba. Where does that name come from? Is there a story behind that name? It's from a movie called Spirited Away. Oh, good one. Which is the sequel to This is the Way. (laughs) Is it? But that does mean that you are double-jointed, but that doesn't mean that you have two joints. It means that you can move your body in ways that many people cannot. So what can you do that would make you double-jointed? I can lick my elbows. You can lick your elbows. How did you discover this talent of yours, Emmeline? I was at my theater camp one day, and I was moving my arm weird, and somebody told me, oh, that is not normal. (laughs) But of course, it is normal because you can do it, and therefore, ergo, it is normal. So do you ever put snacks on your elbow and then just eat them off of your elbow? No, I don't think I've ever tried that before. No. Okay, well, something to shoot for. Very interesting. Well, those are some really cool, fun facts. And now that you are a little warmed up and we spotted the lie, well, Lisa spotted the lie. Mile away, I spotted it. But for strange reasons. Anyway, I think now we can get on with our game to learn about shoes. I'm guessing, Emmeline, you have worn shoes before. Is that true? Yes, I have worn shoes before. Okay, good. All right. Well, let's bring on our experts. Lisa, can we get some welcome music for our shoe experts? Don't judge somebody till you walk a mile in their shoes. And then still don't judge them because you don't want to be judging. Come on in. Mm. All right. Our first expert is Susanna Davda. Susanna, please introduce yourself to Emmeline. Hi, Emmeline. I'm Susanna, and I help people to start shoe brands. Thank you very much. Let's meet our second expert, Jasper Kraft. Jasper, please introduce yourself to Emmeline. Hi, Emmeline. My name is Jasper Kraft, and I am a graduate of the New York Fashion Institute, where I specialized in the history of footwear, and now I run a blog called The Crafts of Jasper. Thank you very much. (laughs) Drop it like it's hot. Tell us about those shoe-stopping sounds, Lisa. These are the shoe-stopping sounds of hot seat time. Yes, it's hot seat time, and that's when we put our experts on the hot seat while they answer Emmeline's questions. Lisa, whom should we put on the hot seat first? Jasper Kraft, because his first and last name are in alphabetical order. Yep, they are, and I like that logic. I like that very much. Okay, Emmeline, what is your first question for Jasper? What is your favorite type of shoe and why? 
I would have to say that I love being comfortable. So my favorite type of shoes are actually loafers. And you know what? Fun fact, loafers actually got their names because they were originally worn by bakers who had to get up really, really early to make bread. And they often went straight to their bakery from their kitchen wearing their cozy shoes. So, you know, one could say that, you know, the loaves were made from the loafer. Cool. Susanna, this question is for you. What is an average day at your job? Well, usually the boring bit is answering emails, although I do get emails from people who want to start shoe brands, which I find very exciting. So I'll respond to them. And then usually I'll have a look at the shoe news. So scour the internet for whatever's going on if people are starting new brands or whatever the shoe news is, you know, maybe some big brands aren't doing very well. That's the story at the moment. And then what else do I do? I think my favorite part of my day is speaking to people on video call. So they tend to be people who are starting shoe brands. And the reason why it's the favorite part of my day is because they can be from anywhere in the world. And I think that people who want to start shoe brands are really interesting people. And are most of these people in the fashion world or can anyone just call you up and say, I just have a good idea for a shoe? Yeah, so I prefer that anyone's. You can come to me with lots of fashion experience. That's great too. But I love it when someone's just found a gap in the market. So they've been looking for a particular type of shoe and they haven't been able to find it. And they've thought, well, I'll do something about that. I'm going to start a company where I sell this type of shoe and I'm going to solve loads of people's problems. I would think like reverse high heels would be good. Mm-hmm. So if you felt like you were too tall, it would be a shoe that made a hole everywhere you walk so that you could be shorter. Mm, that would do some damage in the ground, probably. Yeah, well, that's one of the things. But at least people would know you were there. They'd be like, oh, Daniel was here. And my floor's all messed up. Mm, sure, that's true. Okay, back to you. What is your next question and who should answer it? This is for both of you. What is your favorite story, movie, or song involving shoes? So it's got to be The Wizard of Oz because Dorothy's ruby slippers, I mean, who wouldn't want a pair of red sparkly shoes that when you clip the heels together, you go home. It's better than Uber. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Good answer. I like it. How about you, Jasper? I have to second Susanna. I mean, the Wizard of Oz and those ruby slippers are so important. But did you know that those shoes actually had to use real rubies on them on camera? Because it was one of the first times in Technicolor and Glinda's dress was so sparkly that it wasn't red enough and it was getting washed out. And it was because of this that those shoes actually just recently went at auction for $660,000 for real ruby slippers. That's just something that blew my mind. Yeah, definitely. My gosh. How cool. My favorite shoe song is I came in like Birkenstock. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard that. <laughs> no, I had never yeah. heard that version. <laughs> yeah, it's a very popular song. Okay, thank you very much, Emmeline, for your fantastic questions. If you love The Big Fib, then check out Story Pillar, a podcast for kids and their grown-ups. Join Sneak, Bean, Sparky, and Meg as they tackle sticky social situations, explore stories from all over the world, and pick up great advice from listeners like you. 
They also save plenty of time for laughing and being silly. So if you've got feelings, love stories, and are open for a fart joke or a 10, Story Pillar is definitely worth a listen. Check it out at www.storypillar.com or wherever you love listening to podcasts. The Big Fib is brought to you by Pretty Litter Cat Litter. When my cat Arlo is healthy, he's happy. And that makes me happy. But since I'm not a mind reader, I don't always know when he is unwell. Helping me keep tabs on my cat's health is just one of the reasons I use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra-absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell. Like, not to brag, but when people come over, they might not know that I have a cat unless Arlo, who's huge, is in the room. Because the cat smell is not there. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can, which is really great because I'm lazy. And here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in my cat, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues. Cats are, like, really sneaky, and you often don't know how they're feeling, and the worst part of that is sometimes you don't know when they're sick. So knowing when my cat is sick based on the litter-changing color is a game-changer. And Pretty Litter ships free right to my door in a small, lightweight bag. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash bigfib and use code bigfib to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash bigfib, code bigfib, to save 20%. prettylitter.com slash bigfib, code bigfib. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. It's time for the Shorts on Fire round, when our experts have to answer as many questions as they can before time runs out. Lisa will set a timer for the first expert, and then Emmeline will ask questions until Lisa's timer sounds. Then Lisa resets the timer for our next expert to do the same. Experts, you'll need to shoehorn as many answers into this round as possible. All right, Emmeline, let's start with Susanna, and you can ask your Shorts on Fire questions now. How long does it take to make a pair of cowboy boots? A really long time, at least 40 hours. Who was the doctor who started a shoe company after studying medicine and meeting customers who suffered from foot problems? Dr. Klaus Mertens, Dr. Martens. What is it called when you walk or run with most of your weight on the outside of your foot? Supination. Which animal's shoe is a symbol of good luck? A horse. In what country is it considered dirty and rude to wear shoes inside the house? Lots of countries, particularly the Far East. During the 13th and 1400s in Europe, what kind of shoes had very long pointy toes that could be up to 18 inches long? Pass. Who invented the wedge shoe? I don't know. Sorry. What is another name for sneakers? Trainers. And that is time. That's all the time. Nice try. Very good. All right. Lisa, would you kindly reset the timer? It would be my great pleasure. And that's done. Thank you ever so much. You're welcome. Okay, Emmeline, you can ask Jasper your shorts on fire questions now. What is the solid block of plastic, wood, or metal that a shoe is made around? 
The Keel. What children's television host would start every show by walking into his home, singing a song, and taking off his loafers to put on sneakers? Mr. Rogers. What do you call rain boots in the United Kingdom? Bodies. Who was the wife of the former dictator of the Philippines who owned 2,700 pairs of shoes? Um, pass. What do shoemakers use to reinforce the shape of the toe box? That's called the port because shoes is based on ships. What are flip-flops called in New Zealand? Jackals. What was the wooden-soled shoe worn by workers and peasants in France? I believe that they were called livres. What is the foot measuring tool that people use to measure feet for shoe sizes? Uh, pass. And that is time. Time is done. Very good. Well done, experts. And those were some pretty tough questions to read. So well-pronounced, Emmeline, as well. (laughs) Okay, it's decision time. Emmeline must lace together everything she's heard today and try to find the wedge between fact and fiction. Emmeline, share with us and all of our listeners who is our big shoe fibber. I think the liar is Susanna. (gasps) And why do you think Susanna is our fibber? I don't know. I'm mostly just guessing. Okay, fair enough. Whoever our liar is made it very difficult. So let's find out now. Will our actual shoe expert please say, I am the shoe expert. I am the shoe expert. Correct, Susanna Davda is a shoe expert at the Shoe Consultant, who helps people to start shoe brands. And you can find her at shoeconsultant.com. All right, well, that was a tough one. And I know that Emmeline struggled a little bit because our fibber was very convincing. So let's do some fact-checking. Susanna, don't wait for the other shoe to drop. Which lies did you hear? So loafers were not called that because they were worn by bakers, but I might use that one. It's brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) They were called that because it was people loafing around, kind of lazily walking. Uh. It's a last, not a keel, that the shoe is formed around, that plastic, metal, whatever. Okay. And another one is that rain boots are called wellies or wellingtons (laughs) in the UK, not bodies. (laughs) All right. Well, Jasper, put yourself in our shoes. We really need to know what's true and what is false. So which lies did you pump into your answers? All right. Well, my favorite story of a movie was only partly true. So the shoes did go for auction for $660,000. These are Dorothy's ruby slippers. Uh Uh-huh. Yes, but they were not made of real rubies. No, they were made from red silk and a sequin georgette. I just bought them for (laughs) $600,000. Lisa, that was you. (laughs) (laughs) But the best fact about this is that in the books, the real shoes were actually not ruby at all. They were in fact silver, and Ruby was only chosen for its vibrance on screen. (gasps) I did not know that. Fascinating. I believe that the wooden sole shoe worn by workers and peasants in France was called the uh, sabot. That is true, the sabot as in S-A-B-O-T, but in France it's pronounced sabot. And the legend is that angry workers used their sabots to damage factory machinery, which is the origin of sabotage. That's the legend anyway. 
the wife of the former dictator of the Philippines who owned 2,700 pairs of shoes. Susanna, do you know who that is? Imelda Marcos. She's very famous. Very famous. She owned lots and lots of shoes. Where did she put them all? And Susanna, shoemakers use what item to reinforce the shape of the toe box? It's not the thing that Jasper said. I don't remember what it was. I think he said port is named after a ship or something. It's actually a toe puff, which is made from thermoplastic is made from. Interesting. And flip-flops in New Zealand are called what? Jandals. I think Jasper said jackals. <laughs> I did. <see. laughs> Very funny. And the foot measuring tool that people use to measure feet for shoe sizes is called the Brannock device. And just for Susanna's benefit, during the 1300s and 1400s in Europe, the kind of shoe that had very long pointy toes that could be up to 18 inches long were called the Krakows or Poulain. And then the inventor of the wedge shoe, Salvatore Ferragamo, it was invented out of necessity in the 1940s due to the economic sanctions against Italy. And he could no longer purchase steel for the heels, so he created the wedge shoe, which became wildly popular even today. Question for you, Susanna. You said it takes up to 40 hours or maybe even more to make a pair of cowboy boots. Is there a reason why those boots take so long to manufacture? There are a lot of intricate processes in them. If you think about all of the decoration on the leg, of course, there's the basic construction as well, and they're all handcrafted, but it's also all of that fine decoration. It can be several layers of leather, it can be embroidery, and they're made with such care and attention. And then, of course, the heel of the cowboy boot is there so that the rider can be more secure in the stirrup. All right. Very good. So many shoe facts. I love it. Well, we are at the heel of our show. Thanks to our contestant, Emmeline. All other contestants now have some pretty big shoes to fill. And thank you to our expert and liar, Susanna and Jasper. And thanks to Lisa, who always has the best sounds at the tip of his tin tongue. And of course, many thanks to our listeners tuning into the Big Fib, where there's no business like shoe business and where we slip around lies because we're sold on the truth. The Big Fib is a production of Gen Z Media. For more great shows, visit gzmshows.com. While you're there, you can find out how you can become a contestant on the Big Fib or listen. You can send questions for me to answer on the show. Let's be honest. You can also follow us on social media at the Big Fib Podcast for behind-the-scenes photos and more true facts. And now I'm going to try and lick my elbow. Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 I thought I'm falling down this flight of stairs. Oh, I should have never licked my elbow. Oh, careful, 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 careful. Oh, ow. <laughs> oh, no, oh, no. Hey, it's Jess. Did you know that GZM Shows has a YouTube channel? Right now, all of Six Minutes, Becoming Mother Nature, GZM Beats, and Cupid and the Reaper are up. And they're in these, like, beautiful playlists. They have this fun audio waveform visual. And best of all, you can turn on captions. And the captions have character names. Anyway, subscribe to GZM Shows on YouTube. Maybe there'll be some cool things in the future, like live streams, interviews, behind the scenes. We'll see. GZM Shows on YouTube. Talking about money can be so hard, especially when the person you're talking to is still learning how to do long division. That's why Million Bazillion, a Webby-winning podcast from Marketplace, is here to help. I'm Bridget, and with my fellow co-host Ryan, we help teach your little ones about complex topics like bankruptcy, 
climate change and why there's so much gold at Fort Knox and so much more. Listen to Million Bazillion wherever you get your podcasts.